Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Books and magazines. Books and magazines. Don't know what fascinated the eight-month, nine-month-old Bennett McGee with books and magazines, but that was the bane of his existence. Or rather, it was the bane of my existence because anytime he got his hand on a book or a magazine as an eight- or nine-month-old, what do you think he was doing? Ripping it out. Crumpling it up. He loved them. Absolutely loved them. In fact, when we were in seminary and I was going through seminary, I had a bookshelf, uh, lots of bookshelves, and, and he would go up and he'd pull off all the books. So we got to the point where we had to, like, the first two shelves were empty, right? Couldn't put anything on those shelves because he would crawl over there, lift himself up, pull books out, rip pages. He absolutely, I don't know what the temptation was, but he loved it. Maybe it was the feel of them. Maybe it was the sound of crinkled paper and ripping pages, Maybe he just liked the fact that it made me upset, which I'm trying, I think I'm kind of leaning towards that one, right? He knew it was what I didn't like the most, so that's what he gravitated to. Books and magazines were his temptation. So as he was learning to walk and gain a little bit of freedom, we helped him with that temptation by removing it. As I said, we took out all the bottom shelves of stuff, and we learned that on our coffee table, we couldn't leave magazines. Now, this was back in the day where magazines were actually a thing, and if you're young, you have no clue what a magazine is probably, right? You think a magazine is something you do this with, right? But back then, magazines were big, and we used to get magazines monthly. I don't know. We had two or three monthly subscriptions to magazines, and, and we loved magazines, but those magazines had to be removed. But when we went somewhere, it was a particular challenge because other people didn't know that that was a temptation for him. So there were magazines on coffee tables and magazines on end tables and books laying out. And so when he was little and we would hold his hand and we would go somewhere and he had, his hands were fatter than they were long, right? You know what I'm talking Just these pudgy mitts of flesh. And he'd walk around and he could just... So as he was young and little, I had to take that hand when we'd go into someone's house and I'd have to lead him. And as we'd walk, if, if I saw him veering towards the coffee table, I'd pull him this direction, right? No, we're going to go over here. <laughs> And we might walk over here and there's a book. Oh, no, we got to go over here. But I took his hand and I led him away from books and magazines. Today we're looking at a particular part of the Lord's Prayer that has troubled a lot of people, particularly scholars for over, over the years. I think what's funny is scholars generally have way more uh, um, difficulty in understanding passages than, than normal people do. Because normal people look at it and go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Not scholars. Oh, well, we're going to dive deep into this. And they overthink some of this stuff. So we're going to look at a passage, the last actual um, request in the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to pull away what it means for us and how we can apply it to our prayer lives. But this particular verse has caused a lot of a lot of ink to be spilled in scholarly papers and books. And it says this. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's it. Two lines, simple sentence, compound sentence, but simple compound sentence. Pretty easy to understand. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Where this becomes a problem is people have said, well, it sounds like we're asking that God, you know, is the one that actually does lead us to tempt, that tempts us, that God's the kind of the one that manufactures and leads us into these times of temptation. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. So we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper and figure out what it is exactly he's saying. And then again, how we can apply it to our lives, but deliver us from evil. And this is the second part where they have a lot of problems. Evil can mean evil or because of the Greek, it can also mean the evil one. So it can mean evil or the evil one. And then particular parts of the Christian Orthodox Church, they actually say that in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Not in Western Christianity, but a lot of times in Eastern Christianity. Deliver us from the evil one. And so those two things have caused a lot of consternation and debate back and forth about how can this be and what does it mean. Well, we're going to kind of look at it real simply today. We're going to look at it from the view of a father. Now, why would we look at this from the view of a father? Not rhetorical. You can answer this if you're in here. Because we start the prayer with our father, right? And we talked about that in that first week as we opened up this this passage and we started diving into it. We have to understand that as we pray, we're praying to a father, not some distant object, not some distant personality, not someone who's off in the nether sphere somewhere floating around as some disembodied, impersonal being. No, Jesus chooses this word specifically, our Father. And we're supposed to understand the rest of the prayer from that standpoint. That we are praying to a good God who loves us as a Father is supposed to love. Now, I understand that some of you in here and some of you watching don't have or didn't have a good Father. That doesn't mean that God's not a good Father. God's the definition of a good Father, not necessarily your Father. Others of you do have good fathers, and you know what a good father looks like, and you've experienced that. Well, what we need to do is as we walk into this this prayer, we need to understand it from the perspective of Jesus, because it's Jesus teaching us to pray. And his, our father, means this deep, devoted connection to God. It's this personal, intimate connection with God. And so if we're going to understand this passage, the last verse of the our father or the lord's prayer then we need to understand that from the perspective that we're speaking to our father a good god who loves us deeply who's in personal connection with us and so when we pray and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil we're asking our father to be a good father when bennett was little his temptation was books and magazines so when i grabbed his hand And would walk him through someone's house, maybe it's his grandparents' house, or maybe it's a friend's and family's house. As we walk through the house, if I knew and I looked out and I said, oh, there's a magazine, guess where I'm not leading him? To the magazine. So I'm going to steer his attention somewhere else, right? 
And isn't that really what we're asking God to do here? That God, this world is full of temptation and full of evil, and it's abounding and it's all around. Would you help guide us away from it? Now, what's interesting is the form of this verb, lead us, is an aorist subjunctive. You're all like, what the heck? What it means is, subjunctive is, is the, the mood in Greek that is, could happen, but really has this idea of intentionality. So what he's praying is, Lord, Father, God, be intentional about leading me away from the things you know I'm tempted with. Now, temptation is another stumbling block for scholars here because this word can mean tempt with evil or it can also mean, does anybody know? It can mean test, which is different. One is to entice. If you're, if you're a fan of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the, the candy guy, what was his name? Okay, I lost y'all. Morgan, what was his name? You don't know his name. Anyway, the most evil character ever in a kid's movie. If you've never watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, go watch it. There's this candy dude, and he is the most evil guy. I've ever, like, I, I still have nightmares about that guy. And I'm almost 50 years old. But he came around with suckers, anybody want candy? And he was just evil. It was horrible. <laughs> Again, you need to just go watch it. It is a long movie, but it's worth the watching. That's one form of temptation where we entice, where we have the goodies. (laughs) But the other side of that is to test. That side is, well, let's go back to Bennett when he was little. And he had pulled the books off the shelf And I had slapped that chubby hand. Now, I'm convinced that because his hand was so fat, he never really felt it. But I would slap that hand, and he'd just look at me, and sometimes he would look at me long and meanly. Other times, I would slap that fat hand, and he would start to cry. Whatever, you know, whatever floated his boat that day. But I slapped his hand, and I said, don't do it again. And I walked away, and I sat down in my chair, and I just watched him right? I was testing him. I had set a boundary. Don't do it again. I'd slapped his hand. There had been punishment. Now I stepped away and I said, don't do it. That was a test. Do you see the difference? One is enticing. The enticing part in this analogy would be like, hey, Bennett, I got a magazine and you can't have it. Now, I'm not going to lie. I might have done that some, but... But that's, that's temptation. The test is, don't do it, and I'm going to step back and watch. So scholars have argued over which one this word actually means in this case, because it really can mean either or. And as Jesus does over and over again, I think it's multivalent. I think it has multiple reasons, uh, uh, purposes or, or meanings. I think he means for it to really mean both. Lead us not into the enticements of this world and lead us not into a test that we can't handle. And so when we come to God in prayer, one of our key components 
of prayer is this prayer of protection. Lord, protect us from the temptations, the enticements that are all around us, but then also protect us from these tests that can come up that we're just, we can't handle. Have you ever been to that place where you said, enough, God, I can't take anymore? Can I get an amen on that? Right? I talked with someone this week that was like, I just, if there's anything else, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I just can't take any more. It's that cry too. Lord, I've been through it. I can't handle any more. Please lead me not into another test. Now, what you need to understand is that in neither of those cases, the enticement of the world or the test, is God the one that originates the evil, right? He's not the one who originates the temptation. The temptation exists. Again, in my analogy, I'm not making magazines in front of Bennett and then laying them out there for him. I'm not doing that. I'm either leading him away from them or I'm testing him to let him see if he'll do it, right? So there's boundaries that I've built in, but I'm not the one that is making the magazines and holding it in his face and saying, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. You can't have it. That's what Satan does. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, what we're saying is, God, intentionally lead us away from those things that are evil and those things that test us. And then the second part is the opposite. If one is to lead us not, and this is to deliver from. And there's a difference there, right? Lead us not. Lord, let's be proactive. Don't let me go there. Deliver us from is, oh no, we stepped into Southern Living Magazine headquarters and there's magazines everywhere. Save me out of this, you know, pit of despair. So if the one is proactive, this one is kind of reactive. So the first part is God... Lead us not there. Help me not to go there. Help help prevent me from falling for all this evil and all this temptation around me and these tests. Just remove those. But then also, God, deliver me from the evil. On Bennett's first birthday, he took his first steps by himself, literally. On his first birthday, we were standing around uh, my in-law's swimming pool for his first birthday. We had family there. Um, we, my grandmom was there. Uh, Laura's grandmom and grand, well, grandmom was there. I guess, I guess Bamsey was there too. So grandmom and granddad were there. You know, the extended family, everybody. Oh, it was just a great day. And he took his first steps and we were so excited. And it wasn't long. And I can't remember if it was the same day or if it was the next day. We were by the pool And Bennett's now getting this walking thing down. And we're standing around talking. And all of a sudden we hear a kaplunk. Where was Bennett? In the pool. In the pool. And so I'm sitting there and 
enjoying, I don't know, a cake or an ice cream, or if it was another day, who knows, we were talking, whatever, grilling. I don't, I don't even remember that part. That's just all gone to this old man's memory. What I remember is the kerplunk and turning around and seeing this little baby just kind of sink, this one-year-old sink to the bottom of the pool. And so I run over, and I jump in, and as I'm jumping in, I clear him, and I turn around, and you're not supposed to jump in, but I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to reach him because he had sunk some. So I jump in, and I lift him up, and all in one motion, and I don't know how I did it, jump in, lift him up, and set him on the side of the pool. That's the deliver from evil part. Do you see the difference? We've fallen over into it, and we're, got, we're saying, God, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with this evil around me. I'm struggling with this evil temptation. I'm struggling with whatever. Deliver me from it. Pull me out of it. Save me. This word means to save me from, to literally save my life. Deliver me. Save my life from evil. And it's interesting that this is the climactic phrase of the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. And the last word in the prayer is evil, which structurally means we are to read back into the rest of the prayer this idea of deliver us from evil. So hang with me here. So if we read back into the rest of the prayer, this deliver us from evil, then when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying for God's holiness to overcome evil. Do you see that? When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying for your will and your kingdom to trump the evil of this world. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying, God, the world is full of evil and there's evil temptations to more than what I need. Just give me today my daily bread. You be the provision of that. And forgive us our sin as we forgive others who have sinned against us or debts, as we talked about last week, which comes from the world of finance. Forgive us our debts. Lord, forgive us of the evil we've committed in the past and help us to forgive the evil of others. Do you see how reading back into this, what we're praying all along through this prayer is for God to remedy the evil in this world, and then it ends with remedy the evil from us and prevent us from stepping into it in the future. It's a prayer, it's a prayer really ultimately for us to be more like Jesus. Remove the evil from us, help us not to be tempted by the evil, help us not to be step into it. But Lord, deliver us from it, protect us from it. And if we're in any part of our life is stuck, if we've fallen in the pool of evil, pull us out of that right now. Set us back to where we're supposed to be. Hit reset. Put us in right relationship with you. Help us to make your name holy. To live obediently to your will so that your kingdom is displayed all over the earth. Guys, this is a powerful part of the prayer. And I think it's one that we pray that we just don't really stop and think about. But as through the whole prayer, it's a prayer that is supposed to be followed with our actions. It's a prayer asking for God's help, but it's a prayer expecting action on our part, right? 
So when it says, lead us not into temptation, it is asking God to not test us or not to let us be enticed by the evil of this world, right? Prevent that from, help us to build that. But it's also psychological for us, and it reminds us, okay, we also know what tempts us. We know that we need to build boundaries around that. When I used to speak to the women uh, who were going through... Um, uh, reprogram at Ransom. I use this analogy all the time, and I've used it in here before, right? So if we're going to live out this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, think about this, this podium being sinful, right? Or sin, or evil. I mean, not literally, but just metaphorically, hang with me. This is evil. What we have to do is we have to build a boundary around it. We have to step away from it and say, okay, I'm not getting near that. I know that's evil. I know that's a temptation for me. So I'm going to put some space here, right? And for some things, that space can be, eh, it's not at arm's length. It's just out of arm's length. I know I'm going to be okay as long as I stay this, this far away. But there are other evils and temptations and enticements in this world where if we're going to lead, be led not in a temptation, we're, we, can't expect, we can't expect God to say, Okay, Lord, please lead me not into temptation and stand this closely to it. Does that make sense? And so lead us not into temptation is God empower us, but it's also to empower us to create correct boundaries. Because there are some things that I need to stay this far away from where I can't even spit that far, right? I need to be this far from it. But what we tend to do as we go about our daily lives is we're, we just kind of, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm good. I'm still good. Magazine. I'm still good. And then we get to, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it, but we're right there. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, there is a part of us that has to say, no, we're going to stay over here. (laughs) And I'm going to put the word between me and that (laughs) that sin. Right? We have to create correct boundaries. So part of this is an invitation not only for God to help us, but for us to take responsibility in that ourselves, right? Lead us not to temptation and deliver us from evil. But God, in our minds, we ought to be saying, God, empower us to do that. There is both God action and will and human action and will. And this prayer all throughout is a reminder of that. I don't know if you pray this regularly. And I don't know if you do pray this regularly, if you really stop and you think about this part of the prayer. But I would encourage you, over the next month, make it a habit to specifically spend some time on this part of praying. This part where you enumerate the things that you struggle with, the temptations and the enticements, the evil that's particularly... um, uh, not only enticing you, but but the evil that just kind of presses itself around you. There are things that that don't necessarily entice you, but that that are evil and that are around you. Be specific 
about that. God, help me with this, 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 and this. I know these things are my temptations. I know these things are that test me. I know this is the evil that I come into contact with on a regular basis. God, protect me from that. And if I ever step into it, deliver me from it. I think if you are intentional about that form of prayer over the next month, then you'll be intentional about setting boundaries. And as you're intentional about setting boundaries, you'll start to realize that the power of God and His Spirit leading you takes on a whole new level in your life. Is this making sense to you? I I just think that it's a part of prayer that we ignore a lot. But if we get serious about it, I think it opens us, uh, opens us up to a whole new level of spiritual growth and maturity. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think it's ironic now that, that Bennett and Morgan both are lovers of books. It went from being the temptation to rip it out to now really understand what it's about. There might come a day where God takes an old temptation and delivers you from it completely, where it becomes something that you're not afraid of, something that's not a temptation to you, and He sets you completely free. But for most of us, it doesn't happen like that. Lord, take my chubby hand and lead me away from the coffee table. And if I fall in the pool, jump in and say. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you, but I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.